This is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. All right, today on the podcast, I have Deanna Schober. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Jacqueline? Great. I'm so excited. Deanna showed up to the interview. She has her Girls on the Run t-shirt, which is an amazing <laughs> organization. I love them. Um, but let's get started. So Deanna, I love starting kind of hearing about what brought you to fitness? Were you always an athlete growing up, like in high school, elementary school, college? What did it look like? No, I was not an athlete at all. I did not. And it's funny, I was kind of labeled as not an athlete when I was growing up. Um, so this was, this was a very new identity for me when I did kind of get into it. Um, you know, throughout like my teenage years, I would run off and on to like lose weight, you know, um, and into my college and, and, you know, my early twenties, mid twenties, I was, I always would dabble in it. And I knew I liked it and like the way that it felt, but I was doing it just for weight loss and for an effect. And so it never stuck. And so I would kind of go, I would yo-yo on and off the wagon and end up not sticking with it. Um, it wasn't until I had, um, like a series of events in my late twenties where, um, I went through some tragedy. I went through a divorce all within a six month period that I, I started to exercise for myself, um, for stress relief, to take care of my body. Um, and then it stuck. And so I was, um, in and out of, um, running and yoga and strength training and all, everything you can imagine just as something that I was doing for myself. Um, and something I still do the, to this day just to feel good. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I, I go over that with clients a lot. Like yeah. you can lose weight as a result of this, but when like weight loss is your sole goal, yeah, it doesn't stick. It doesn't, Cause it's just like, it doesn't stick. At one point, you're like, I don't really care about losing weight anymore. And so just, yeah, it's such a long term <laughs> process to lose weight that you give up way before you ever start to see results. So, yeah, same. So, so you were into running, and what kinds of things were you doing with running early on? Um, I started off just running a 5K. For, I think that's kind of what everybody does. Um, I, my daughter was, um, my third child was under two, and I ran with her in a, with a running stroller, um, with a, with a bunch of families that I was friends with. And I was hooked after that. I, I loved that feeling. I loved running. Um, I loved the endorphins afterwards. I loved, um, you know, the, the feeling of crossing the finish line. I think what a lot of people will, um, say. Um, so I really started off doing just that. And then I, I, I started pushing myself with 5Ks and then eventually over like a long period of time, I did my first half marathon after my fourth child. Um, I was, I think like, it was somewhere around 10 months postpartum. I don't remember, but it was like a, a year-ish after having him. I, I trained for my first half marathon just to see if I could do it. And then I did one more last year um, to see how fast, if I could push myself to do a, a faster one and um had an amazing experience with that so i'd love to talk about that if you <laughs> if you want because it was so cool yeah yeah so the the one where after your last baby or the one yeah. the yeah the so. one i just did a year ago mm-hmm. um where i wanted to get in under two hours and like did a manifestation kind of a thing and um imagined myself crossing the finish line at, at an hour 59 and 
cross the finish line at exactly an hour 59, even though nothing in my training could have predicted that I could do it. Um, I still managed to somehow do it. And it was incredible. That is insane. So what did yeah. that look like? I, I've read this in books a lot and it's like not my specialty, like the vis visualization yeah. of like mm -hmm. those things. It's definitely one of my weak points. So what did your, what did your training, I guess like, so you're training like physically and then like you're training your mind through that as well. Yeah. Exactly. So the whole time I would wake up really early in the morning and, um, uh, you know, running fast sucks you know you're like getting into your anaerobic zone and when you're um you're you're not able to just drift off into your thoughts all you can do is think about like right this second my heart is beating so fast and I can't I just need to breathe and you're do when you're doing that for a half marathon there's a long period of time for that so I would just go up into my head um and try to picture myself every every step I would try to picture myself crossing the finish line at 159 and that's what would keep me going. And that's what would keep me going fast. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't think at the time that I'm going to manifest this. I knew of manifestation. I knew how kind of that whole thing works um, and visualization, those kinds of things. I've heard about athletes training in their minds to um, do like Olympic races and Olympic feats, but um, that's not really what I was doing at the time. I was just trying to get through the run. <laughs> so um I, I just kind of would go up into my head and that's how I would, would do it. And then I just, it just happened. And then I, I got to the race day. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. I was looking at my training times. It just didn't add up. There was no way. And then somehow I kept pace with the um, two hour pacers the whole time, just even though I just wanted to die, I wanted to throw up. And I could not believe it when I was, when I looked up, it was coming around a track for the last part and looked up at the clock and it was 1:59, and then like seconds. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen and crossed it exactly that number. And my, my last half marathon I had done at two hours and 15 minutes. So there was nothing, there's no reason I should have been able to do this, but it, my body believed it because I had done it in my head so many times and somehow stepped up on on the day which was yeah. amazing that's huge i mean and when you put it like that so like 13 miles and you had a 15 minute or 16 minute change i mean that's over yeah. a minute a mile like in reduction uh yeah. faster like yeah. that's huge <laughs> yeah i had and i had not hit anywhere close to it was like a nine minute 906 mile you know minute per mile and, um, I had never hit anything close to that in my training. It was, it was, you know, somewhere closer to my old time. So there was no, there was no reason I should have been able to do it, but I did. And it was incredible. And I got first place in my age group and got a medal. Oh it was awesome. It was the most amazing experience. It was like, it was the first time I ever did a race where, um, I purely did it for the intrinsic gratification of it. And it wasn't to prove anything to anyone except for myself. And just, I was in awe of my body and the visualization process and um, every other race I'd ever done, including, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the triathlons, but every other race I'd ever done, I had done for the medal to, for like, to prove myself. But this was the only time I had ever done something just for me. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. It was so incredible. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those weird things of like, like focusing on yourself and then you end up getting all of the like external things. You're like, yeah. It's like icing on the cake at that point too. It's, yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. 
Um, but like, if nothing, if none of that had happened, just like that experience, I was thinking about it the whole time during my race. Cause like I said, I was in my anaerobic zone for two hours, which is, ugh. um, and so in my head, I was just like, you know, I could, I could back off and I could just finish this, you know, in a, you know, I, it would be okay. It would be okay yeah. if I backed off and if I slowed down. But I was like, but I just want to have that experience. And I'm doing this. My body is actually doing this. I just want to have that experience of seeing what it's like to push this this hard and see if my body can actually do this. Like my body has done so many amazing things already. Mm-hmm. Can it do this? And so um, in those moments, like I learned so many life lessons from that, from that experience too, like in business and life and relationships about pushing um, to get the experience that you want to have. Mm-hmm. So it was just, um, it was transformative. It was a, a really transformative experience. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like so excited. Now I'm like, okay, I need to practice visualization yeah. for my yeah. next race. Yeah. So you said you kind of like went in with uh, a lot of, um, so you've gone back and forth with like running and strength training, triathlons. So tell us a little bit about that. Like how, like, why were you making these different shifts like back and forth? Um, how did you know to do that? Like to when to push and when to back off and when to switch? Mm-hmm. I think that's a hard thing. So, Cause we're like, no, I like that. I have to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. So like, how do you find that balance? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, man, it's been a huge learning process for me because like I said, when I first started, um, I got so obsessive with exercise at, at one point that I would have, I was pushing myself to like illness and injury. And, um, it was like when I was in that headspace of proving things to other people, um, then I would push hard and I would, I would push too hard. I would push past injury, past what was good for me. I was always, um, in that state of mind where just go, 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 no excuses, um, you know, those, that kind of stuff. So I was actually really ill at one time and, and was so, um, compulsive about working out and exercise that I would just, I couldn't stop myself. I would just go outside and, and do it even though like my doctors and everybody was saying not to. Um, and I was on medication that I shouldn't have been pushing hard, but I just was, I, I just was so exhausted of that at, at some point. And, um, it was, I mean, it wasn't like one thing, but, um, I finally just started to think of it more of like self care. And when I thought of it more of self as more of self care, then it became like a curiosity thing. What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to experience? It wasn't, what do I have to prove to people? What do I need to do to be the best? What do I need to do to get first place or a medal? It was, what do I want to experience? What do I want to do? Um, what can my, what is my body capable of? And then that became this whole new thing. And that's why I've kind of gone back and forth. Like, huh, I think I, I don't, I don't swim. I've never been a swimmer. Like, I don't even know how to swim. Um, I should try a triathlon and see if I can do it. Just, just to see. And not like with any pressure on myself, just let's try it and see what happens. And, um, so that's kind of how I would end up doing all these different things. And then I, I just, that's where I am all the time. I'm just always in a state of like, what's fun. What, what do I want to, what do I want to prove to myself? What do I want to experience? You know, what is my body actually capable of? And then, because I'm addicted to that feeling of like the empowerment of, um, you know, wow. I, you know, the awe that you experience after you do something you didn't think you could do. 
I love that feeling. So that's how I kind of bounce around. That's such a, a different way to approach exercise. I think the, I keep hearing you say the word experience, experience, mm-hmm. like, and I think about that because life is really short and that like, what experiences do I want to have? And not this, yeah. how skinny can I make my body? But like, yep. what do I want to experience? But you did go through a little bit of that period. So yeah. what did that, like, how did you get yourself like really like in your head, like, how did you realize, okay, cool. My doctor's telling me not to do this. Everyone's telling yeah. me not to do this. Like, how do you make that transition to experiences and like, joy? yeah, it was a lot of things. It was, I mean, um, I went into my fourth pregnancy with my son, just like in that state of mind of like, be perfect, be the best, have a perfect pregnant body. Um, you know, in just really th- that pregnancy helped me because I was so hard on myself that I actually, um, could not work out the first trimester because I had Achilles tendonitis that, that, um, got so bad, I guess, with pregnancy hormones, um, that I couldn't even walk. I was like, on one of those scooter things (laughs) in a boot for, for 13 weeks. Um, and so I had like this, um, moment of, you know, my husband's like, you're miserable because you are beating yourself up because you can't exercise. Um, and just like, I, I need to come to a headspace where I cannot be miserable this whole pregnancy, because what if I can't work out the whole time? Um, so I did kind of come to this, this piece which kind of started the whole thing. I wouldn't say it was like a light switch. It just kind of started me thinking about, all right, I just need to take care of my body. And my body's doing this amazing thing by having this baby. And I just need to feel my best. And the best I can do right now is to rest and to eat really well and, um, and do the best that I can. And then also a really transformative thing that happened to me was um, when my dad died. It was, I like, I was coaching already. My son was um, two years old already. Um, And my dad had been sick for a really long time, but um, his death was still very sudden and very final. And um, I, I was coaching women for weight loss at the, at that point. And just going back to, from celebrating his life and like, when, when something like that happens, it puts everything into such a sharp perspective of what's important and what's not like going back to like, okay, let's force your body to lose some weight after that experience was like, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. And I, I took a couple months off and I finished up with all my clients that, you know, at that time were, were just trying to lose weight. And I like wrote this manifest manifest about like, this is what I'm, this is the direction I'm taking it. We're going to learn to love our bodies. We're going to take super good care of them. And it was just, that was kind of a turning point, both for me personally and for my business and, and how I, um, how I approached bodies in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that we were just talking about my husband and him hurting his foot. And it was like this, I need to take care of my body. Like that, that thing Mm -hmm. that happens and you're like, whoa, wait, (laughs) yeah. Like, this is not forever. We're not here forever. What are we doing? What are we spending our time doing? So you got into a little bit about your coaching business. I want to talk about the blog because your blog has been up and running for a long time. When did you start it? And like, how is that? How is the blog um, and your business kind of, you know, how did it start and where is it now? 
Yeah. So it started as just as my journal to having like a fit pregnancy. It's called fit to be pregnant, which I, it just makes me cringe still now to this day, because I know the intention behind that was I'm going to have this like perfect fit pregnancy. I'm still going to have abs while I'm pregnant. Um, it was my fourth pregnancy, but my first three had been when I was like overweight and out of shape. And I I was definitely like not taking care of myself at that time. So I was going to have my first fit pregnancy. Um, and I just was documenting it. Um, mostly for myself at first, but my husband was a professional blogger at the time. Um, and so I just kind of did, I used to work for him and, and write articles for him. So I just kind of was like an offshoot and um, just wanted to write about how to, I, I was researching how to have a really healthy pregnancy. So I was just writing what I was learning. I was doing lots of research um, of like medical papers and, and the studies and the science behind um, what was healthy for exercise during pregnancy and, and all the nutrients that we needed, um, and just writing about it. And it just took off. Like it, like a few, it was when Pinterest was still kind of new. So like a few of my articles got pinned and just went viral. So before I knew it, um, I was considered an expert in pregnancy. Um, to this day, my, my website has had over 4 million visitors. Um, it still, um, has, some some articles that rank high <laughs> um, it, about like calories during pregnancy and like all the things that I don't really talk about anymore, but, <laughs> um, but it is what it is. So I, um, I wrote, I, I started off just writing that blog and um, it has evolved into like a coaching practice and also online programs and um, body positive programs for women and mindset stuff mostly. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about the transition with the food and the calories yeah. and macros. And I know you mm-hmm. wrote something recently about like tracking macros and you, you thought like, okay, yeah. cool. That's all I need to teach people. Yeah. And that's not. So what, like what changed? Um, oh, such a huge, such a huge transition. I mean, so again, during my pregnancy, Um, and then right afterwards I was really big into like counting calories, counting macros. Um, at one time before my pregnancy, I had been very extreme with, with macros in my body. I had followed like a bodybuilder's diet, um, even though I didn't really want to do like competing or anything. So I, I was very familiar with all these things. So it was just easy for me, um, to think of coaching other people who had had a baby and just handing them macros, handing them a meal plan. Um, and they would lose weight. Um, what I found and what I knew for myself already, but I don't know why I didn't think of this. Um, what I found with my clients was that I could hand them the macros and then they would get real excited about it at first and they would follow it for like four weeks and then they would lose all motivation and come to me crying because they hated themselves and the scale wasn't moving or they just couldn't stick to the meal plan and they couldn't figure out why they thought something was wrong with them. And it was just really heartbreaking because these women had just had babies and they'd done the most amazing thing with their bodies, but they were so down on themselves and, and, um, just hating themselves. So I had also, um, my husband, um, who is, like I said, also a blogger has been public about, he suffered from a binge eating disorder, excuse me. And so he had undergone, excuse me, he had undergone, um, he had read the intuitive eating book and it had just changed his life. Um, he suddenly, you know, he had stopped binging after years and years and years. Um, he, at one point would, you know, 
he would be real restrictive and then he would spend a month binging and put on 30 pounds in a month. So um, this had like been, it had ruled our lives since we met and all of a sudden it was, it was changing and he was able to, um, to really experience food in a whole new way. And I was kind of coming along that ride with him because I had also been pretty extreme. I wasn't having an active eating disorder. I don't think maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. so it, you know, looking back, it was very disordered. I don't know if it was, um, uneating disorder, but, um, I went along on that ride with him and stopped labeling food as good or bad. Um, we had been like, I look back at some of my old writing and just was, had been so extreme about it's got to be organic. It's yeah. got to be produce. It's got to be perfect and no trans fat. I mean, we were like so trans fat phobic and, um, you know, it just was very extreme at that point and just took a whole new approach to food. Um, and just the mindset behind all of it and how the way I was thinking about not just food, but exercise, um, you know, when I was extreme, then I, I needed these big breaks where I would just binge for a week or we would go on vacation. And I was like, I don't want a vegetable kind of a thing. Um, and so I was like, if that's true for me, then it's true for probably everyone. Cause it's a human thing. And I started to kind of deconstruct why that was happening and, um, you know, why working against our human biology and our human psychology, um, doesn't work. And so, it just changed the, you know, it changed everything. So when I started bringing that into my coaching programs, I was noticing that, that that women were able to adhere to what we were trying to do so much better. And then it just evolved, you know, like, like back to what it was where I was handing the macros and saying, go eat this. And now it's like, we have deep, long conversations about what might be stressing you out, <laughs> why you're turning to food. And, um, you know, I, I can, I've got, I teach them nutrition, but I also teach them how to execute that nutrition now. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I think the, especially hearing that the, what you said, like, if I'm struggling with this, then other people are struggling with it. Cause yeah. I think that the like destigmatizing is like, oh wow, it's not just me. It's like, oh crap. Like all of yeah. us are in this mess. Okay, cool. How are we, like, how are we going to eat? How are we going to think about our bodies? What are we going to do with exercise? Um, it's huge. It's transformative. So when you eat, I love to talk about this. So like, do you track food? Do you follow meal plan? Like when you eat, what does that look like? And how do you know how much to eat? Because that's really hard for people. If I'm not going to track and I'm not going to do whole 30 and I'm not going to count Weight Watchers points. Yeah. How the hell do I know how to eat for my body? It took me years to um, get back in touch with my body because I had been ignoring my body signals for so long. And I was realizing like when I was a kid, I never overate anything. Like I, it, I just would stop because I was full and you know, why was that? And it was, it was just, there was no emotional intensity around food. It was just food. So that helped um, me just taking that emotional intensity away from food and not labeling it as good or bad um, helped me to have the mental space to be able to get back in touch with my body and what it was telling me. Um, and then I was able to really experiment with different, different, you know, combinations of food, what makes me full, what doesn't make me full. Um, what feels the best to me, what lasts me the longest, um, and, you know, just kind of developed my own 
eating style from that. And I, I'm not ever going to be someone who can go my, for the rest of my life without carbs. Like, it's just not me. I love carbs. I love donuts. I love, you know, French fries. I love all those things. So I started working with that instead of against it. And that made all the difference in like how much of that I would eat. And, um, and so I do a combination now and I actually created this into like a system for my, my clients to be able to, um, pick their own eating style where I'm having, um, I'm trying to eat three meals a day uh, and making sure that those are meeting my nutrient needs, meeting my, um, you know, any fueling needs, you know, for my strength training or my running, um, but also meeting satisfaction needs. Because if I skip the satisfaction part, I'm going to go looking for it somewhere else. So my, my healthy food needs to be satis- satisfactory and my fun food also hits that satisfaction button too. That's huge. Like yeah. <laughs> that, like, oh, cool. I should, I, I love what you said about the working with instead of against. Yeah. So I'm going to work with French fries instead of against French mm-hmm. fries. Cause yeah. if you're working against something there has to be a winner and a loser. Yep. And, and it makes it, it, it creates anytime you're trying to resist something, you're creating tension and intensity. And it's like building up a pressure cooker and eventually it's going to blow. Um, so you're, you're putting all this energy on something that you don't want instead of just like recognizing I do want it. And then you, once it's the weirdest thing, and my clients are always just blown away because once you're like, no, it's fine to have French fries. And you're like, but I don't really want them. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it changes. Um, you're able to really think through it and think, okay, a, a few French fries is fine. Um, but if I eat a bunch of them, my stomach's going to hurt. So it's just weird how, and, and it's, it's weird, but it's not because we're, he, we, we're working with um, our primal human brains, which is in survival mode. And anytime that you put your, your primal brain into um, scarcity mindset, it's going to react by looking for the thing that you're, that you are, um, you know, restricting, you're looking for it obsessively. And then when you find it like maxing out on it, because your primal brain thinks that this is food that's going away and what you may never find again. So I, we talk a lot in my programs about the, about being human because we have to work with the way that we're made. Mm. I love that. Even just the, just listen, I'm big on listening to the language and it's like working with ourselves like that. Yeah. It. Just, this is how, this is who I am. I don't have to fight mm-hmm. carbs. I love it. Yeah. So what does exercise look for you now? You're not training for a marathon or a triathlon right now. What's it look like? Yeah. Um, right now I am doing a lot of endurance strength training. So I do like high reps, um, of heavy, pretty heavy, uh, lifting. So I'm just doing the basic squats and deadlifts and, um, bench press and I'm even trying pull-ups. Um, yeah, (laughs) just trying to get strong. And, um, I, a long-term goal of mine is to have muscle on my body as long as I possibly, like, I want to have muscle on my body for as long as I can, because I think it's going to give me the best quality of life. So that's always an underlying theme for me. There's always strength training in my, in my program, no matter what I do. Right now it's like 15 minutes of it, but it's heavy and it's intense. Um, but it's, it's always there just because, you know, I want to be like standing up really straight when I'm 80 something years old. Um, and then I do a little bit of running just because I still love it. I love having that cardio, um, 
uh, cardiovascular ability. I don't run more than 45 minutes anymore, but um, I do a day of like sprinting because I love that feeling. I love getting that, that endorphin shot that you get when you do sprints. And then I do a day of um, just a, a long mindless run where I'm just running for, for fun. Mm-hmm. That's, That's awesome. pretty much it. I do, yeah. I do a little bit of like hip, hit workouts. Um, I have a program called fast fit moms and it's just 20 minute workouts. It's, um, little intense bouts of, of stuff. And, um, just to kind of warm up and cool down from my strength training. Love it. So you work with moms specifically, and there's a lot of crap out there on the internet blogs Mm -hmm. on Instagram, um, products. What are the things that you see that like make you the most angry? And if there's a mom listening, you're like, Moms, watch out for this. Don't fall yeah. into this. Yeah. Well, how long is your podcast? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the first one that I that really it was I think it was like either right before or right after my my last child was born, there was a lady that came out with like, What's your excuse? And she was like showing she showed herself in like a a sports bra and she had her three little kids and was like, What's your excuse? And I just hate that condescending attitude of like, we're all in this competition with each other. And I'm so much better than you because I've got this body, you know, and I've got three kids. Um, and I think that they, what they're most of the time they're trying to say is like, if I can do it, you can do it. However, it comes across as, um, as like, if you're not capable, if you're not doing this, then you just have too many excuses. And the truth is like, after we have babies, we have all the excuses in the world and there is no need to push ourselves. Um, this is a very special time with our babies. Like the first year after you have a baby, it's very special and very, um, sacred. Also, you just did something huge physically by giving birth and, um, you've got to listen to your body during this time, not push it and really, um, get in touch with it and see what it's needing from you because, you know, there's some healing to do. There's a lot of healing to do. I can't tell you how many times I see women in my communities who are, are like, you know, I gave birth two weeks ago. Can I go ahead and start lifting? And I'm just like, no, you have this giant wound in your body and you need to let it heal. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of pushing, um, pushing ourselves. And then the other thing is like, get your body back, get your pre-baby body back, which, you know, to me, it's like the, there's so much pressure on us in society to just snap back, just look like we, we never had a baby. Um, which is so ridiculous. That's so rare for that to happen. And if it does, it's probably because of genetics. Um, it takes time for us to, in just hormonally, it's like our bodies, whether we breastfeed or not, don't go back hormonally to what they were before pregnancy for two years. It takes two years for your body to return to its pre-pregnancy state, um, as far as hormones go. So that's just ridiculous. And it just, that whole idea puts so much pressure on us, um, to be pushing ourselves when we really should be resting and being kind to ourselves and practicing self-care. So, um, in, you know, I, in my programs, we're just all about like taking that pressure off because then you can actually, once that, once you reject that idea of like no excuses, get your body back. Um, then you have that mental space to be like, okay, what is it that I need? And what's going to be best for me, big picture, um, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of those things combined, not just um, what's going to get me the best, you know, the best body after, after baby. 
Yeah, it's really hard to see that message over and over. Um, and especially, I feel like it, it's like very specifically addressed to women and to moms yeah. because you are very vulnerable and you're very like mm-hmm. self-conscious and just that. Yeah. So it's like a huge money-making opportunity, unfortunately. Exactly. And yeah, that get your body back. No excuses. It's yeah. Hard. That is, and that's one of the reasons why I like, why I work with new moms is because they're, they are so vulnerable. This is one of the most overwhelming times of their lives and they will do anything to, you know, they don't have the mental energy to be thinking about getting my body back. So they'll pay the money for these like gimmick programs um, that will help them to quickly get their body back. They feel uncomfortable. They feel anxious. They feel, um, you know, sad about the state of their body. And so they're so desperate during this time that they'll do, they'll do anything. And they go to these extremes and this creates um, disordered eating patterns for the rest of their lives that they have to deal with if they don't go into it with the right attitude and the right, the, you know, the healthy mental state. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one too. So if you do have someone that is uncomfortable with where their body is, it sounds like the, the mindset, the mental piece is like the huge piece. Cause like the physical, like what you're eating and what you're doing, like that will come, but like, how do you help someone get into that? Like, okay, cool. Like self-care instead of hurting themselves. Yeah. I, it's very, it's very hard because it's almost like an addiction. Um, and you have to like, it's almost an addiction to look in the mirror and beat yourselves up because on some level <clears throat> we think that we are motivating ourselves to do something different. And so a lot of, of people like look in the mirror and they beat themselves up because they think this is going to help me to reach my goal. So, um, or they just can't, you know, they can't help it. It's been something that they've done since, you know, they were young. And so you have to become aware that you're doing it first. And then you have, you also have to know that you have the power to, to stop it and to, and to not beat yourself up and to get to a place of like, all right, I am worth taking care of. I think all of us somewhere deep down have that voice telling us like, I'm worth self-care. I'm worth, you know, feeling good. I'm worth not having these mental demons in my head all the time. We just don't know how to do it. And I just like, I remember a moment where I was looking in the mirror and I could have, I was dressed up to go out for the night. I had 30 extra pounds of baby weight on me from my fourth pregnancy and I knew that I could beat myself up and I, I would have in the past. And I like, I was the worst offender of like, I was so self-abusive at that, at at that point. Um, But just was like, I I just remember thinking, no, like I'm not, I'm so tired of this. I don't have this. I don't have the energy to like go down that drain. I don't want to get emotional about this right now. And I just was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I just kind of turned it off and just refused to, to um, participate in it. And that I realized it as soon as I had done it, like, wow, I, I, that was kind of powerful. <laughs> and then it was like addicting. Cause then I was like, I don't have to go down that road if I don't want to. Like I, I tell my clients, like, imagine yourself kind of coming to a fork in the road. One feels great. The other one feels emotionally draining and, and gross. Um, you know, you have the choice, which path you want to take. And you just kind of have to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to participate in this abuse of myself and, um, and choose to say, all right, 
I may not be comfortable with where my body's at right now, but I accept that this is where I am. And I'm going to move forward taking the best care I can of myself, which is going to result in your healthiest body. Um, the, you know, the results are the same. One way is like miserable. And the other way is, you know, more consistent and positive and, and you free up all the space to be able to concentrate on other more important things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. Every time I talk to someone, I think back to this quote from Janine Roth and she just, I've said it like every time, every podcast episode, but who you are on the journey is who you will be when you arrive. Yep. And we want to be this happy, healthy, carefree person. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's who we want to be. And, and it's hard because we have like all of these sexy images of women. We're like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. If I just get that body, then I'll be happy and healthy and yeah. great. But it's like, well, no, if, if you're jerked yourself on the way there, yeah. no, it's not going to happen. That was my exact experience. Like before, so before this, I, I did diet myself down to like 12% body fat and got there and was like, happy for a second. I would look in the mirror and be happy. And then I was like, all right, let's keep going. There's still dimples in my thighs. There's still this and that. And it just never ended. It never stopped. And I, I was like, had this moment of like, if, if I can't be happy with my body at this size and this, you know, I was like the smallest I'd ever been in my life. Um, people were like, fawning all over me at that point, you know, like, Oh my God, you look amazing. You're so tiny. tiny. Yeah. You're so tiny. And you know, if I can't be happy now, I'm never going to be happy. Like I had that thought on some level that's kind of stuck with me. Um, and so it, I, that's what I tell them. Like you're, even if you get down to, because a lot of clients are like, I'll just lose the weight and then I'll figure it out. Um, and it's like, you will transfer that either you'll continue to obsess over your body or you'll keep, you know, comparing yourself to other people or it just transfers to somewhere else. So yeah, I, I love Janine Roth, by the way. And <laughs> I love that quote. It's so true. Yeah. Do you have any favorite book suggestions um, to, to learn more about body image, uh, food, anything that you're like, these books changed my life and I think yeah. everyone should read them? <laughs> Yeah, I'm like a voracious reader and I'm I'm either listening to audiobooks or I'm reading. Um and so Intuitive Eating was the first book that really made me think differently about food and and made me realize the um cycles that I had fallen into with dieting. Um it was a big eye opener for me. I also when I read Women, Food and God, um Janine Roth, I I just read it recently and was like I recognized myself so much in how I had healed myself. Um, and so I recommend that one to almost all my clients, especially if you're dealing with emotional eating. But one of the biggest things I learned from that book was like, we're either dieting to distract ourselves from our life and our pain, or we're eating to distract ourselves from life and our pain. Um, and then try like always trying to fix ourselves. And so that was, that one was huge. I, I just, I think if you're in the right place for it, um, that can, that one can be a life changer. Um, and then just life in general book, the power of now or anything by Eckhart Tolle is just, I mean, game changer as far as, you know, being able to, cause I think a big part of this is just to recognize that your body is just your body. It's, it's important. It's, um, it's your physical vessel to get you through this life. Um, it's important to take care of it. It's, you know, we do get to have all these fun experiences with it. Um, but it's not who you are. It's not everything. 
And so that book where he, you know, he talks a lot about separating from your ego and from your physical form um, can kind of bring that home for you if you're really struggling with my body is everything. It's, it's my entire worth. Um, then that can, that can help with that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love those. I love hearing about book suggestions. I'm like, okay, <laughs> read all that. <laughs> Awesome. So if people want to find you to connect with you, where are the best spots um, to find you? Um, Instagram probably right now for me is, um, it's just at Deanna Schober, D-E-A-N-N-A. And I also, if you want to go to fittobepregnant.com, you can get on my email newsletter and um, that's, it's not all about pregnancy. I promise it's about all of these, these issues, especially for moms. Um, where I go through, you know, my, my philosophies and I'll give lots of tips and, um, we do workouts sometimes super fun. So that's the best. That's probably the second best place. Yeah. Yeah. I am on her newsletter and as a non-mom, I still get a lot of value out of reading it. And, um, yeah, it's amazing hearing. I, there's that saying of like, your mess is your message. And it's like, it's just so powerful I think just being able to see that other people are struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with, but then also to see that there's a light, not that your life is perfect by any means, but that there's like, okay, cool. Like she's happy and enjoying life. What's that like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it sounds so, um, so crazy, but like, I really don't feel like I was happy and enjoying life until like the last few years. And it was all through food that I was kind of able to really, and, and exercise that I was really able to, to get to that point in this journey. So it's been incredible. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Jacqueline here. So one of the most common questions that I get is, cool, Jacqueline, I get it. Don't do a diet. Don't do perfect eating. Just eat whatever. But what the heck am I supposed to eat? And what I want to say is that like, I understand that that can be super overwhelming. I don't think it's helpful to just say, eat whatever, food freedom, (laughs) just buy a bunch of sugar, you know, eat ice cream every night. I don't think that that's helpful. Uh, When that's the way we go about it, we find out, oh crap, I feel like crap from eating all of this sugar. The only way I know out of this is to go back to a diet. So what I propose is kind of like helping you create some structure around how you want to eat. Now, the difference between this and a diet is that it's self-created. Like you're actually going to find the foods that you enjoy and the foods that make you feel your best and the foods that are easy for you and your schedule and your lifestyle. I put all of these things into my course, Intro to Imperfect Eating. It's super inexpensive. It is where I get everyone started before we move on and work on one-on-one coaching. It's like, this is the place to get everything. It's basically everything I teach my one-on-one clients, but in an online course um, sent to you um, every few days, I think it's like every three days, you'll get a video um, kind of walking you through shifting your mindset around food. Cause that's the other thing too. It's not actually about the food, but it's about the way we approach food, the things that we're saying to ourselves and yes, also how we're building our meals. So definitely check out the link in the show notes, intro to imperfect eating. I've gotten such great feedback on this, especially as we are headed into summer and there's barbecue. Fourth of July barbecue. 
It's not fun going to the 4th of July barbecue and not getting to eat anything. It's also not fun going and eating everything in sight and feeling like crap the next day. So make sure you check out the link intro to Imperfect Eating. All right, guys, take care.